Hello, and thank you for joining me today on Gizu Gear, episode number 208. Today's podcast is brought to you by Stratum Productions. Stratum understands that successful events hinge on flawless execution. With years of experience in the audiovisual industry, Stratum Productions specialize in providing event planners with cutting-edge solutions that seamlessly blend technology and creativity. From intimate boardroom meetings to sprawling conventions, Stratum are committed to delivering experiences that resonate and leave a lasting impact on audiences of all sizes. Stratum Productions truly do stand out above the rest when it comes to event production. To learn more about the Stratum team and what they do, and also who they are as a company, please visit stratumpro.com. And today's podcast is also brought to you by Live Event Productions. Amplify every experience with Live Events, an end-to-end event production company offering off-the-chart solutions for your sound, light, video, rigging, effects, and equipment rental needs. Live Event full-service event production team is an assembly of companies including Active Production and Design, Delicate Productions, Gemini Sound, Light, and Video, Pyrotechnico, Pyrotechnical effects and zenith lighting. From intimate gatherings to stadium sized spectacles, their brands produce the perfect mix of production elements to best serve your needs. Whether you're setting up for a singular event or a world tour, they have the gear available for rent or purchase. Their precision balanced approach seamlessly integrates sound, light, video, and effects to arrive at optimal solutions for your event or installation. Achieve audio awesomeness and visual, visual brilliance while the live events family of professionals provide an unforgettable service style and experience. If you dream it, they can do it. Allow live events to perfect your production from concept to curtain drop. Contact live events, your humble servants of heck yeah, today by visiting liveevents.com. Yeehaw, it's episode 208, folks. So uh, thanks for coming. I appreciate you coming. And um, so I want to talk about a few things before we get started here. Uh, first of all, GearSource launched our new platform last weekend. I know this is shameless self-promotion. Uh, we launched late Friday night, middle of the night, Saturday morning, I guess. And it's gone mostly really well. I will tell you that uh, whenever you're launching a platform this complicated, and ours is very complicated, it's challenging, and you are going to have some bugs. I know some of you listening probably have bumped your head on some of those bugs, but uh, mostly, fortunately, it's been mostly my team who have bumped their heads on stuff because we've been doing all the testing for the most part in-house. We do use some external testers every once in a while, which basically are our customers. Um, but, you know, I'm very proud of what we're doing right now. Like one of the big, th- big things that we're doing is completely uh, evolving our payments system. And we've really struggled f- since COVID with our payments system. 
And uh, some of you who do business with us know that. I'm not making any excuses. It has sucked at times. And um, it's completely revisioned and completely uh, changed, evolved. And so now basically, like I will tell you, yesterday a few orders came in uh, that were paid for, whether they were uh, wire transfers. I think three or four of them were wire transfers. A couple of them were credit cards. Um, but even wire transfers were paid in the same day. We received the funds the same day and were paid out to the sellers the same day. So I actually had a couple sellers reach out to me last night going, I've never seen anything like this. Like I can't sell on Facebook. I can't sell on eBay and get paid the same day that I've sold something. Uh, it's unheard of. And so even if you're taking a wire transfer directly from a customer, let's say you meet somebody on Facebook Marketplace and he sends you a wire transfer, chances are you're not going to get it same day. With our platform, you do. So, well, I can't promise you that every time, but it's within, call it, 48 hours. But it's very, very quick. Um, we don't have any access to your cash. Nobody has access to your cash except you. Uh, it's, it's a very cool system. And we also have this AI shipping system now that gives you a freight quote in the shopping cart. So it's instant. Um, really cool. If you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out. We appreciate the support. It's been a hell of a year. So we're really looking to our client base to, to, uh, help, uh, pay for this now <laughs> because we've spent a lot of money going onto this new platform because we've had, uh, one heck of a year. So, um, more good news. So Geezers of Gear, our podcast is growing. Uh, for the first time ever, we're actually adding an employee. And um, so we've added a producer. We know I now have a producer who works for Geezers of Gear who is going to help put together all of these episodes, help uh, basically um, invite and sign on our guests, sign on our sponsors, make sure that everybody's happy, help promote the uh, podcasts after the fact, God forbid, do some marketing. And uh, so that person is Sarah Bernie. And some of you might know Bernie already. Uh, she's an amazing person. She worked for GearSource for a while and, um, you know, has continued to be very close to us. She's based in Europe. She's British. She's amazing. She's, uh, you know, one of the most likable people you'll ever talk to. So if you happen to be a guest or a uh, sponsor, you will probably be talking with Sarah at some point here in the near future. But um, looking forward to having Sarah on board. She's, she's a great person. I really like her. I'm so happy that uh, she decided to do this. And so, uh, yeah, so that's exciting. Lots going on in our industry. Um, some things that I definitely can't talk about that I'm privy to some information, but behind the scenes, there's few companies being sold. There's uh, a major company CEO who's stepping down right now. So much more going on, but um, I don't know. I think, I, you know, the weather is shifting a little bit to where, uh, you know, I just think some things are going to change. I'm not saying our industry is going in a downward uh, trend or anything. I just think there's some changes coming. I think uh, fiscal responsibilities are becoming a little bit more important. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I just, I, I reckon there's some changes coming. And if you guys haven't seen this uh, Michael Rapino uh, article, he's the CEO of Live Nation. Um, it's a really, really interesting article where he talks about the fact that touring is still growing. Of course, they're a public company, so you have to put out these reports that say, it's getting bigger, you know, share prices are going to go up. And uh, that's all. When you're a public company, all anybody cares about is growth. 
And so I'm not saying that he only cares about growth, but it, you know, obviously that's the focus is people put in money to the stock market and they want to see that money grow. That's why they're putting it into the stock market. Um, but his angle is that there's currently a lot more demand in the market than there is supply. And, um, you know, he, he was addressing the pricing problem or the, the uh, I guess, you know, expected or, or people think that there's a pricing problem, uh, the perception of a pricing problem on ticket prices. He says it's a PR problem, not a pricing problem, that actually, uh, I forget the number, 65% of their tickets are under $100, I think, um, that he thinks that it, for the most part, ticket prices are actually undervalued and underpriced. And so I think a lot of people who are paying for tickets might argue that, but that's what he says. And then one of the really great examples that he used as far as the market growing and there being a lot more capacity available for the market to grow is uh, Bad Bunny. He talked about Bad Bunny, the fact that Bad Bunny has 150 million between followers and, uh, I guess, streaming listeners on the streaming platforms, like especially Spotify. Um, so he said 150 million, basically, customers that Bad Bunny has and all we have to do is sell a total of 3 million tickets. So our job is, is a piece of piss. It's dead easy. You know, our job's simple. And uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting angle. Um, whether or not he's, he's correct on that, I don't know. But uh, the fact that Bad Bunny actually communicates to 150 million people and you only have capacity for 3 million tickets... I could see not only that continuing to grow, but also that continuing to drive the pricing up on tickets. And so I think there's a ceiling on ticket prices. Um, I don't know if there's a ceiling on capacity for buying tickets. So we'll see. Uh, but, you know, according to at least Live Nation, who are the biggest promoter out there, they think that there's massive growth coming still in the live events business. And the whole article was about live events versus streaming music. And streaming music, um, you know, the, the difference, I guess, there is um, there's no scarcity. Streaming music has no scarcity. They can, you can stream as many times as people want to stream. Whereas with live event tickets, there is scarcity. There's only so many tickets you can print. There's only so many butts you can fit in seats in, in venues. And so that scarcity, I guess, also helps drive up the, the need, the, the, the market demand, and the pricing as well. So, um, you know, again, I, like, I know I've probably called for doomsday uh, for a long time, saying that the touring business can't keep growing at the rate that it is, but apparently it can. Uh, you know, the CEO the biggest company out there who's selling these tickets says that it's going to continue growing. So I think that's a good thing for all of us. I think that's an amazing thing. I think we've got a really strong 2024 touring season coming uh, from everybody I'm talking to, which are a lot of the top people out there in the touring business. They're saying that we have a really strong 2024 coming. So that's a really great thing. So anyways, um, our guest today is an incredible guy. I, I actually don't uh, have a prior relationship with uh, this gentleman who is Michael Springer. Um, you know, I think we've spoken, we've met, uh, we've said hello, but we don't really have a relationship. So I didn't know that much about him. And so he kind of sent me some documentation, basically kind of telling me who he is and giving me some of his background and his upbringing and stuff. And I'll tell you, wow, what a friggin' story this guy's got, you know, his name is Michael Springer, but it could, 
very well be set for Jerry Springer. You know, he's got he's got some wild stories, and so uh, I'm really excited to talk to him. So let's uh, let's just go ahead and get this party started. Michael, hello. I better stop tapping. Hello. Oh, you just tapped. Hello. And we recorded. I it. did. You were tapping. Oh damn it! I it's did all tap. Good. It's all good. Sorry it about that. It says you've got uh, probably more rhythm than, you know, most production people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was a drum tech for a while. All <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I, I read that on your bio. You know who has, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes I've seen lighting designers who will stand at the console or lighting directors and they'll be tapping their foot like way off the beat or their leg or whatever but right. the shots are all really good. But one of the guys right. who was always so good, do you know John Broderick? I don't know of the name, but probably maybe passed him in my life. Yeah. But don't. Broderick was the LD for Metallica for, I don't know, 30 okay. years until uh, okay. Rob Koenig took over recently. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah. years ago or something. But right. um, Broderick always had to use an old analog console because uh -huh. he was basically like a drummer on that console. Like it was like, you know, all, right, the, yeah. all the shots had yeah. to be right All the level. hits. All the yeah. hits had to be quick and right on point and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, so he always used uh, either analog consoles or once it went to a digital console, he used a D to A converter so that he could send analog signal to make the lights <laughs> trigger faster and all this stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, I love analog. I'm an analog guy anyway. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a gearhead for say per yeah. se, um, but uh, analog is what I grew up with. I started. I I have never ridden on a Prevo bus. I've only lived ridden on Silver Eagles. So, oh really? Um, That's wild. Yeah, never. Yeah, uh, I got out of, off tour. Yeah, <laughs> once Clear Channel took over the business, I kind of got out of rock and roll because I saw the bean counters come in and the whole thing transpire. And oh, so you did that, that on stuff. purpose? You stopped touring yes. on purpose? Oh, wow. Well, yes. Good yeah. for you. It's nice when people can make that choice on their own and it's not made for yeah. them, either by a wife or by a health the boss or by a <laughs> boss. Yeah. You right, right, never right. Never touring again. Yeah. No, I did that. I just, I mean, the record labels weren't what they were. The promoters were getting bought, bought up. Uh, the bean counters were just taking over everything and not caring about the band, the artist, the thing. And yeah. I was like forget this i'm yeah. i'm done i did my 20 i did my 20 want, years way, it doesn't bother me. okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i try i'm trying not to <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you know it's it is it has changed an awful lot obviously but so at some point you just decided to quit touring and got your iatsi card and started doing local stuff well, no. Uh, what happened was uh, 1976. I mean, I could start wherever you want well, me no, to. No, no, we'll we'll start. I'm I'm just asking a very specific. Yeah, yeah. Question. No, I got yeah. out of it. Uh, I got out of it and got into uh, the film world, working oh, on right. film yeah, yeah, yeah. commercials. I worked with one of the top commercial directors in the world, and his, na his name was Mark Kapos with Kapos Films. And I yeah. started as a PA, PA. I went from a tour manager to a production assistant yeah. uh, to learn all every aspect of it, and I went through doing props doing a little bit of lighting so you stopped doing touring this really early on like yeah really... 96 oh wow yeah i, th I so thought only had 20 years doing... i thought you were still doing no. stuff recently no i don't tour anymore but i do shows i'm hired to be a production manager or a producer or a, or a technical director or a stage manager or whatever it is uh, i do uh freelancing stuff 
Cool. Um, I've owned three companies. I've yeah. owned uh, Fly, Flying In Productions twice, and then I had Total Solution Productions. So oh, uh, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start at the beginning because, to be perfectly honest, the beginning of your story is way crazier than the end of your story. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and it's super fun. It's like, you know, <laughs> so I was telling you uh, before we started recording here that, you know, usually the morning of or sometimes the day before, I'll open up your bio and whatever you've sent me basically to review. And most of the time I actually know the people who are coming on Geezers of Gear, but right. um, you and I didn't really have a relationship. I mean, you had my phone number in your phone and, and, uh, <laughs> and I certainly knew of you, but I didn't remember if we'd ever met or anything, but, um, but with you, I didn't really have any background. So when I started sure. reading your story, I was blown away. I mean, it's <laughs> just, it is a literally a Hollywood, uh, story, you know, you were born into it. So, you know, starting yeah. with like, I, I read that your first gig, uh, was as a baby, you were a baby and you were, you were Paul Newman as a baby in in Correct. What, the young Philadelphian. Philadelphian. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Wild. That, yeah. Um, don't happen? know why. Um, I guess my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a big hairdresser in Beverly Hills. Um, he used to do all the playboy bunnies and all that kind of stuff and all the starlets. And he was a big player and, my mom was just a housewife at that point, oh. um, but but she did get into the business. She was also talent coordinator for Queen for a Day back in the day. That was a thing that was filmed out of the Palace Theater. But yeah, I don't know how I got into the film. I know I made it into it, and that's the last thing I know about that. But you then I continued from it. I don't think I did. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's got to be a Damn lawsuit it. there. Yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow, so that's, um, that's crazy. So, your dad was a hairdresser for Playboy bunnies, Playboy bunnies and starlets and all. Just he was a big name. In fact, he was supposed to go to that dinner with Sharon Tate and the rest of those people that night. Mm, that Charles Jesus. Manson. Yeah, yeah. So wow. he was big up there in that in that world. Um, like I said, my mom and dad got split up uh, when I was six. And um, so, which way I, did you I, go? You went to mom or dad? I went. I went to mom. Dad was kind of like, okay, you know, I've got this other girlfriend and he, she's got a kid and blah, blah, blah. So I saw him on Sundays, which was fine. I mean, yeah. he's, he was a good guy, good guy, great artist, great writer, um, good hairdresser, that kind of yeah. a thing. But my whole thing was I had a relationship with my sister. I have an older sister um, who's also in the music business who helped me in different directions also. She worked with uh, WEA, Warner um worked with abc worked for jackson brown and a bunch of those people so she was in the business already and then my mom uh uh was did the queen for the day thing they got the, the divorce and i ended up living with my mom and my sister lived with us for a little while and then she went off at 13 or 14 and did whatever she did i think she was singing and playing in a play that was touring um so I lived with my mom, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, early on, my mom had a TV show called Head Shop. It was on Channel 52 or 56 here in L.A. And Elliot Mintz, I don't know if you ever heard of Elliot Mintz. He's, no. If you look it up, he was uh, John Lennon's big confidant forever. Mm -hmm. um, went through the whole thing with them. But the show was about 
music of the late 60s and 70s. I think it was from 69 to 70. And I'll tell you, dates, I feel like Joel Walsh, uh, you know, the dates are a little bit hazy, mate. You know, the 70s and 80s were fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Well, you know, it's I, I, because I, some people, like, you know, Jonathan Smeaton, I had him on recently, and, and Smeaton would say, yeah, it was 1972, I think it was March, and I was using a Roscoe, like he'd tell you what color he <laughs> right. had in the gel for Diana Ross or something, right? And oh, I'm my like, God, right. Who remembers that, you know? Like There's people like that, though. Photographic they really are. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've always said I had a pornographic memory, but that's just, <laughs> in my that's a joke. Um, yeah. But yeah, photographic memory. I, I'm very good with names and people like that. When I say, you know, I can remember names because I meet so many people. Anyway, right. I, I, I ended up moving with my mom. Uh, we moved up into the Hollywood Hills. Um, and uh, she had a TV show, like I said, called Head Shop. And like the Mamas and the Papas were around and Sly, Sto Sly and the Family Stone and uh, Timothy Leary. And a lot of times they'd end up at my house um, with the Doobie Brothers and, and uh, Carradine playing all night. I mean, it was a hippie haven. Jesus. My mom was definitely spiritual, we'll say. Um, I think she taught me to roll my first joint uh, when I was around nine. <laughs> what? <laughs> just oh just saying. Yeah, That's she'd wild. be so happy. She 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 passed away uh, about I guess twelve years ago on my birthday. She did that on purpose, nice. so I'll never forget. But she, that that was like her, just just like yeah. her. Um, yeah. yeah. So we'd have all these people in my house, and I thought it was terrible. And why you know why can't my mother and father be like the Cleavers? Um, you know, <laughs> I like really, full really on Hollywood, you know, like oh. you were saying, uh, in the notes you sent me, like you'd be there and Jimi Hendrix was there and like, <laughs> like just all kinds of different people. And, and crazy stuff. You, say? You, you said, uh, somebody was jamming in, in your, uh, living room, like three dog oh, yeah. or something right. jamming in your yeah. living room. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. That's like madness. Yeah, it was madness. As, as a kid, I really didn't like it. They'd all be stoned or something, and I'd, I'd go around spraying glade in their faces. Yeah, you're all going to die. You're all gonna... I think I was eight, maybe seven or eight. Uh, I ended up moving out of the house into a big cardboard box on the patio so I could be, have my own space, and I had my little turtle with me, and we just hang out. And I, I made friends. Uh, the TV kind of raised me. The TV yeah. was like kind of how I learn to, to negotiate with people and things like that. And I always had a knack for like being an entertainer, like make them happy. If I make them happy, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out fine. Yeah. I might've been hiding other stuff, but uh, like I was a ventriloquist. I was a magician. I was a stunt man. I was an actor. I did all these kind of things. Uh, just like all, to, be, all before you were 16 years old too, right? Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. In fact, in fact, um, yeah, with my mom, she dated, uh, uh, Sly's manager, either he, they dated, but they were together all the times. Uh, David Kaepernick was his name. Okay. And, um, yeah. And uh, so they were around all the time. My mom used to take me to love ins. She'd take me to sh the shrine, uh, self-realization shrine 
which is a cool thing. She was into the I Ching and Tai Chi and Urantia and all these things that were all spiritual. Like she said, wow. if you have 50 cents, if you have 50 cents, you give somebody a quarter. You know, she taught me, don't look in, don't ask a woman her age, always open the door, stay on outside of the thing. And she was very, very together in that way, uh, yeah. which helped me along the way. So she offset um, some of the crazy yeah. bad stuff with an occasional word of wisdom. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can go real deep for if, but I don't know how deep you want to get. <laughs> I, I, however deep you want to get. I got time. Okay. So, so, so I got, I got ready in the Hollywood Hills. Um, Chris York, uh, remember um, Dick York from yeah, yeah. Bewitched? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up with Chris and Matt York and the whole family across the street from me. So we were like best of buddies, best of buddies. And I had other friends that I grew up in the Hollywood Hills with. And um, I, I think I was 13 or 14. And I, we had one, we got a hit of window pane, um, which is a acid. acid yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I hadn't done it since that time, but or maybe I did it once before. But my, I told my mom, mom, we just did acid. And she goes, you dumb shits. Let me drive you to the park. I'll take you to the park. I'll let you go for a couple hours and I'm going to come pick you up. Like, you know, just like, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I want you to experience this in the right way. Kind of thing. I mean, you know, sort of smart, but really weird, you know, like really if my son yeah. came and told me he just did acid. I don't know that I'd drive him to the park, but Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Work for her. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I've been able to de- deal with a lot of people in addiction and help with, you know, knowledge and, and recovery and those kind of things, too. Yeah, you um, saw so it from an early age. I did. I did. Yeah. And uh, my mom was always cool, though. It was just, you know, she was she was just who she was. She was a good yeah. person. And was her mother too, was a right. 60s and yeah, 70s. Yeah, the 60s. I mean, it was the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, um, uh, the first time I met Penny Ortega, um, uh, I think I was doing a play, the music man, and he might've been in the audience and he asked my mom, um, if, you know, maybe Michael would want to do a, a part in his play. And this is 1972. And, um, uh, he had a play that he had written about a rock and roll clown called Bimbo's Cosmic Circus. So um, I became a magician in that play uh, that uh, the play was like at 11 p.m. at night at Starwood before it was the Starwood in L.A. It was called PJ's. So I get drive driven over there by my mom. I do this crazy play. I'm, you know, crazy insanity rock and roll clown story which was a really good really really great i'm gonna say i'm 13 maybe 13 and it started at 11 o'clock at night too yeah 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 a week you remember (laughs) oh i don't remember no but one night or no i think it was weekends or something like that um yeah, it was weekends and like another direction that happened to me is my sister uh, worked at a place in the valley called the Blah Blah Cafe. And the Blah Blah Cafe had like Al Jarreau playing there and, and um, uh, all these blues and jazz and not much rock star, more like a folk rock cafe like the Baked Potato. Uh, are you familiar with the Baked yeah, Potato? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this was a club that, or not a club, a restaurant that started, I think, I'm going to be all screwed up with my times, my sister will tell me, but like at 4 p.m., no, 6 p.m. till 4 a.m. it was open. And um, 
is it called? Oh, the Blah Blah Cafe, spelled B-L-A-H-B-L-A-H. And um, uh, at 13, 14, I was, uh, I was washing, oops, hold on, I lost my ear. I lost, uh, I started washing dishes there. <laughs> at this club and um uh it was right down the street from two one was a drag show place another place across the street was uh, a gay bar and then all the cops would come in and all the motorcycle cops and do their thing and yeah i just was like in this place and i learned how to work on a soundboard the little pa with the four dials on it because they had like one microphone a piano pickup and so i did the sound there also and then i learned how to cook a little bit and huh. i just was eclectic, like whatever you know whatever turned me on i got to be able to experience that's wild so, what yeah a way to, it, what a way to grow up i mean that's crazy and yeah so did, it was, it did, was you, did you get to other than this cosmic circus thing did you ever you know get to expand on the magician thing or uh i i didn't i mean i did shows for people in the house and um i've I've still never been to the magic castle which i'm bummed about i was just gonna ask uh, you that yeah because i have no magic castle i want to go so bad (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i have i've never been um but i did expand on my stunt man thing uh i was into bicycle motocross at an early age and skateboarding i was okay at skateboarding Mm -hmm. um but uh I loved horses. Uh, there was a place in the Hollywood Hills called Sunset Stables, and I used to take the Friday night rides from Hollywood over the hills into Burbank, hang out at the skating ring, cool. and go back over. Um, so I started getting into stunts. All, all my friends knew that I'd do a stunt fight with them in any store and all that stuff, so we'd choreograph it. And these were all just because I really fell in love with stunt work. Um, How'd that at that point, How'd you get into that? Let me think about that. I think I just saw, I think Evil Knievel got me into it. I was really into what he did. And then I love to watch old Westerns and the falls and the fights and the fight scenes and things like that. Um, So by the time I was 14 or 15, school was pretty much uh, not, it's like an afterthought. You know, it's just not where I want to be. So I used to hang out. I take a bus from Hollywood to uh, Universal Studios. And I would, there was a guy, Jim, at the front gate. He knew me. I don't know how we met, just me coming every day and him seeing me by the door. And he'd go, hey, what's up, Michael? You want to come in? I'm like, yeah. So I'd go and hang out with the stuntman at the, at the Western Stunt Show. It was before any roofs. It was it was before the roof went on over at uh, the the theater. There, it used to be the yep. stunt uh, stunt show. Um, so I got really close and hung out with the stuntmen there, where they taught me a bunch of stuff, which was probably illegal at that point, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> yeah. um, and that, and then I would hang out with the animal trainers, and they'd pick me out of the audience most of the time. <laughs> and for the shows, hey, you want to come up? Hey, you want to play with you know work with the animals? I'm like yeah that's awesome i can't believe um yeah. so i i work i worked with them and i worked with the stunt men and uh i i started going to a stunt gym called paul stater's stunt gym in santa monica and i had a good friend kenny lesko who was a accomplished stunt man and um we used to do stuff together and he trained me and we ended up doing a lot of stunt fights, live stunt fights. And then uh, on TV shows, we do some stunt fights. And then like Godlieb and Cream, do you remember them? Godlieb and Cream, they were a, they were a singing no. group. Anyway, I, I did a couple 
music videos where I did stunts in the music videos and ended up in Xanadu doing stunts in Xanadu, roller skating and things like that. That's the whole Kenny Ortega keeps coming back into my life. Because, um, yeah, because yeah, Kenny was the, uh, you know, with the Bimbo's Cosmic Circus. Then uh, my mom started working with him later in, in my years as his personal assistant. And uh, I'd go work with them on, uh, I'd go work with them on a lot of music videos when we'd be shooting for 24, 48 hours and things like that. And either I'd get in the video or I'd work behind the scenes. I found myself liking behind the scenes better. Yeah. Um, but, but the stuntman thing uh, was really I was something I fell in love with. And by that time, I was, I was telling you earlier that I, I, at 15 years old, I had my own apartment because, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take my hundred dollars a month child support and get an apartment and then figure out what I'll do for money and that kind of stuff. Um, so Was yeah, it just to get so, away from the, the insanity at the house. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you know what? I guess some people wouldn't think it was crazy, I guess. I mean, a lot of people, yeah. oh, man, you're so lucky. And I really was lucky because I got yeah. to see amazing things and, and, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was a little boy, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to marry Hawaiian. And because I went to Hawaii, my mom took me when I was a little boy. I'm going to marry Hawaiian. Well, I ended up marrying a Hawaiian. So oh, I've got wow, a Hawaiian. Cool. She's from here, but her mom's from Hawaii. And uh, we've been together 30 years now. Oh, and, that's, uh, cool. that's really cool. Mm -hmm. oh. It's very cool. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's a uh, it's amazing ride. Uh, so the stunt thing came in and uh, I didn't know what to do. I was twelfth uh, grade at Hollywood High, not ever going to school really. And I said, "Well, what can I do? I, I don't know what to do." So I think I was going to join the Navy or something. It's kind of an embarrassing story, but it's, uh, this is what happened. I went to uh, take my Navy test, and one of the questions in the Navy test was, "What would you do in a state of Chaos?" Chaos? What's that? I, I said I'd never been there because I knew Chaos was spelled K-A-O-S. Yeah. <laughs> from get smart that's, <laughs> that's gonna be the name of my book in a state yeah. of chaos yeah, yeah. so chaos never been there and they're like I mean, yeah it's funny and stupid all at the same yeah. time but um, you know i was just living on the edge of wherever i could fit in you know and and uh and doing what i do um so kenny ortega called and said hey do you want this is 1976 do you want to come up and join the tubes? And I need a stunt man and a dancer. I know you know how to do. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And I knew white punks on dope. So I knew yeah. that song and I, you know, and the, their first album, which was killer. Yeah. Um, I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I ended up flying up to San Francisco. He picked me up at the airport and I ended up living there uh, for a couple of years. Um, it, we had a three-story warehouse in the Fillmore district. I'm not sure which part, but it was an all old warehouse district. So downstairs was the recording studio. The center or number one floor was, there was one room with hardwood floors and dance mirrors. And then all the cases were around us in the other room in a trampoline. Michael Cotton lived next door. He's the artist and the synthesizer player. And Prairie Prince and Michael Cotton were the artists and also he's the drummer and and the and the synthesizer player. Uh, and then um, 
yeah, I ended up living in a windowsill, which was pretty cool. Was like, <laughs> like you'd go by, you know, a big window, like May yeah. Company or something. So, yeah. but it was all blacked out with metal bars and all that stuff. But yeah, I just, okay, I'm going to go do this. Um, so, yeah. So we started rehearsals um, and uh, things were working out really well. Uh, he put me in like four or five numbers. There I learned, uh, I had a good friend, uh, Chopper, Steve Borges. Okay. I don't know if you know Steve. Yeah, I know Chopper. Him. I was, don't know Chopper, but I yeah. know of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he kind of took me under his wing as Prairie did, as Vince Welnick did, as all these guys did. Kenny took me under. I mean, everybody, like I had a bunch of fathers and and mothers and sisters and like Ree Styles, the singer. She'd always watch out for me. Um, so it was it was incredible. Like I joined the circus for sure. And but um, what what does a stuntman do in, in, in the band? show? Yeah. OK, so if you look at some of the old uh videos of the tubes they have dancers okay. and each 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 song is a different character uh the lead singer fee waybill becomes a different character so he might be um oh man i'm gonna have a brain for it okay so the, let's say they do a song god bird change uh, which is a, uh, which is the character he is is uh this character from japan called raideen so he dresses up like this robot and There'd be dancers with umbrellas around him, dressed up in Japanese kimonos, and da da da. And then there'd be another one, like he, very theatrical. Yeah. Uh, Tom Jones, they do a Tom Jones number. They did a thing called Mondo Bondage. Uh, if you if you get some of that footage, I'll, I'll send you some to some sites. Yeah. But uh, I, never, I, I, you know, I was I'm a little younger than you, but yeah, like, I knew White Punks on Dope but I wasn't really into it. So I never saw a video right, right, or right. anything. I just right. heard the song a thousand times, but uh, talk to you later, you know, like the, yeah. the later yeah. stuff that that's was a little more stuff. The sellout <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the sellout stuff, but yeah. that's where they make money. Um, and I saw them live money. one time, like very late, later on, uh, it was at a NAMM show. They played at a NAMM show. Oh, uh, really? At one of the guitar company's parties or a, maybe okay. a Yamaha party or something. But yeah, yeah. But that was the only Nothing time like... I ever saw him live, and they were pretty tame. Yeah, I remember when we got endorsed by PV. That was the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PV maybe, endorsed it was. It. maybe it was at PV that I saw. It them. could have been. Yeah. But um, it was an incredible, incredible show. Um, nothing like it. Nothing like it. Uh, Alice Cooper used to steal our stuff and we'd watch him and, um, it was a major theatrical event. So I'll send you some, you can watch a yeah, whole concert. Cool. Go, no, oh my I'd, God. I'd love to see some of that stuff. So, so far, as far as the stunt, the stunt work in a band like that is they had a, uh, part of the a show where it was Johnny Bugger and the Dirt Boxes. So Johnny Bugger is Fee Waybill's character. Yeah. Uh, and the band is the Dirt Boxes. It's a punk rock scene. Uh, it was a song called I Was a Punk Before You Were a Punk. Um, so I'd come out of the audience like a stone looted out punk spitting at him. He's spitting at me and jumping in the that People are getting pissed in the audience. And um, I jump on stage and he does this whole big stunt fight with me. There's stage blood. I get dragged out by security, things like that. Another thing, I'm getting blown off uh, 20 foot towers with pyro behind me and um, getting caught by uh, eight dancers. So I'm blown off this tower come into their arms and things like that. Then there's Quaalude is one of the uh, characters. That's the guy that's with the white hair. Fee Waybill plays 
uh, Quaalude. And um, I was one of the Ludettes, which was a backup singer, uh, along with Kenny Ortega. Um, Leroy Jones was before I, I did it. But when I came in 1976, I'll never forget it. It was uh, New Year's Eve 1976 at the Palace of Fine Arts. And uh, boy, did I learn a lot of stuff that night. <laughs> so Kenny Ortega was in the tubes? He was the choreographer and the director. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And he was the original cast of hair, um, things like that. And huh. uh, he's gone. He's done so well. I mean, yeah. just amazing. As you, as you know, we yeah. talked last week. In fact, for my, my birthday was just a couple of weeks ago. So we talked then yeah. um, he's, he's remained a friend of mine. I've had a lot of mentors in my life, which is cool yeah. um, to, to give me a little direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after uh, I spent a couple of years doing that with the tubes and, and then I think I blew up as well. Right. With touring, touring yeah. with them. Yeah. Tou touring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we went all over Europe. We went uh, we had a huge live album called What Do You Want From Live? Because they have a song called What Do You Want From Life? Um, which is a show. Yeah, I do got to show you some of their stuff. Yeah. It was off the wall. Incredible. We got banned from Vegas because of too much nudity in our show. Jesus. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You it, couldn't get away wild. from nudity in your young years, could you? No. No. <laughs> like, everywhere you went, there was drugs and nudity. Like, what it's a crazy. Life. What a crazy Yeah, it was life. crazy. What a crazy <laughs> life, true. For sure. Like, I, sh I shouldn't be here, right? Like, I'm thinking, but there's some bigger plan than I got. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm yeah. here. I've got two daughters. I've got two beautiful daughters, 35 yeah. and 35. 36 and 34 they're yeah. from a girlfriend of mine and um we've got the best relationship and they think it's fun they said they said used to say dad you're our favorite toy uh, <laughs> fun stuff funny. well i mean yeah you know you're not the average dad i bet all their friends dads don't have the stories that you have you know like <laughs> right I right mean, yeah you've got some crazy stories but uh well, yeah. so Go ahead. I, you know, somewhere I read that you, so when you moved out at 15, you basically kind of left your family, right? Like you kind of emancipated and moved out on your own and said, I'm going to create a normal life for myself. And, uh, so that had to be hard, right? Yeah. Um, I think so. I think it was hard. It was more, I think it was harder staying at home and, you know, being loved to death by my yeah. mom. Yeah. You know, she loved me. She loved me. And, um, and I hated it for the longest time. Huh. I'm sorry about my dog barking. Yeah. Yeah. They do that. They do do that. That's they my spiritual advisor. Anyway, oh, she said, yeah. my, <laughs> I love my dog. She, she's telling yeah. you something right now. She said, yeah, probably. I love you. You're yeah. so awesome. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and, and see what I do. What will I do? What will I do? Yeah. And, um, I knew it was something going to be in the industry somehow. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you know. I don't think you could avoid that at this point. Like you weren't going to go be right. an accountant or something. Uh, no, chances were. no. So did yeah. after the tubes, did you keep, did you keep going? Did you keep touring? Did you stay? I did. I did. I started touring. I became a drum technician for uh, a few bands. I worked. I've got to work with Charlie Drayton, Prey Prince, uh, Russ Kunkel, Vinnie Caliuta. Um, being a drum tech um, on some of their shows, I took the. 
my next tour, I think, from 76, I don't have to look at my paperwork, really. <laughs> I think I went from from the six, maybe to uh, 76 to 78, I was with the tubes. And then I went and I went to uh, with Louise Goffin, Carol King's daughter. Okay. And uh, I worked with Danny Korchmar and uh, who else? Waddy was there and a few others. Uh, and we did uh, her first kid blue tour. And what I was, was the tour manager. I went from a dancer to a tour manager pretty quick, which was, which was I okay. Mean, it was just like a natural uh, thing. Just like, being around the industry, just, yeah. just being around the industry. You know, I was always on time. I was always a clean guy. I always wanted to get things. I can take care of anybody else. Me, not so much, but yeah. others I can take care of very well. In fact, I love doing it. It's a, like, yeah. a, it's a, it's, it's self-esteem building. It's, it's nice to see someone smile and get something they need. And, um, it was on a, a small tour. It, uh, it went to Maui for two months. That was my tour. Right. So it was easy to be a tour manager there. Yeah. We had one set up at the blue max and stayed there for a couple of months. And, uh, that was, uh, that was my next gig. Um, after that, I went to Jackson Brown. It might have this a little backwards. I'm not sure which one, first, but Jackson, Jackson Brown was an amazing tour for me. Um, that was my first arena tour. I was, uh, I got to work with Roy Bickle, who's one of the biggest, uh, riggers, uh, in the world. Yeah. I got to, you know, work with such amazing artists. Uh, um, God, there's too many, Billy Payne, Russ Kunkel, um, oh, I became a drum tech for Russ because yeah. I always liked drums. In fact, I forgot to tell you, my mother managed a band and Jimmy Keltner was the drummer of the band. You know, Jim Keltner, I have don't. you ever heard the name? Okay. He, 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 he was a drummer with the Beatles. He was a session guy, Beatles. You heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. He gave me my first drum pad when I was, I don't even know how old, nine years old or something. Yeah. That's so cool. I always played drums and even when we went to those love in crazy things, I was always playing something. I remember my set of bongos and things like that. But you never actually so, started to play. Like you never joined a band as a drummer or anything. No, no, no. So I always liked doing the stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. I'd love to do, I'd love to be able to write music. I guess I love to be able to create that stuff, but I get to create this other thing for them and make the crowd happy and make That's sure they're true. cool. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's Some so much fun. Some people prefer it that way. I think you said somewhere that I read that your sister worked with Jackson Brown, or maybe you said it just on here. She did. So was she, she out worked. there while you were out there? She she came out a few times for sure. She was oh, in she charge of the record uh, company. She worked for manager Peter Golden. Oh. Peter oh, Golden okay. at Gold. I think it's Golden Light. I don't remember, but yeah, uh, there were some pretty heavy hitters back in those days, and uh, you know, it was it was the eighties, early eighties, so it was yeah. Hollywood, L.A., and um, got to What's work with a guy on? named Mac Holbert, who was the manager for the Doors at one point, I think, and uh, yeah. just amazing people, amazing people. So that Jackson Brown tour, I got to work with Billy Payne and David Lindley and uh, watch, I sat behind Russ Kunkel and just made sure that he was cool. And we were the second bus out, you know, for second bus out, boom, the first, you know, the band bus, then us. And yeah. you know, it was very nice. It was really that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's and really I enjoyed cool. it. Did I enjoyed she, it, but I always, go did ahead. she stay in the business? My sister? sister? Yeah. 
Yeah, she did. She stayed in for a long time. Um, she worked, like I said, from with that manager. Then she worked with Billy Idol's manager. And what's the other guy? Tom Petty's manager. I forgot his name. I'm having a brain fart. Yeah, but, uh, Tony Dimitriotis. Yeah, yeah, Tony Dimitriotis. Yeah. She worked for him for a long time. She worked for him for a long time. So if I needed a gig in town, I could go over to the record label and and, and we'd stuff stuff records and to send them out to the A&R people or radio stations, I should have kept them. I should have kept some of those albums. Yeah. But is she still in the business or she's retired now or she's, she's retired, but she helps others in recovery. Oh, okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, no shortage of need there. No, exactly. There's a great, there's a great, yeah, I know. I know. It's just, uh, and now people, now you're dying from it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. This fentanyl thing's disgusting. What's going on. I, yeah. and the f- crazy sad thing is I don't know that I know anyone who doesn't know someone who's died. From right. It, you know? And yeah. I don't, I, I don't yet. I don't know. Oh, really? Yet. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like, I don't know. A year ago, my, my insurance girl, she's probably 25 years old or something. And she right. called me up one day and, and uh, she said, you know, I just want to get this taken care of because I'm going to be out a, a couple of weeks. And I said, oh, what are you going on vacation? And she said, no, my my fiance just died. And I said, wow. what? Like, how old was he? And she said, 26. And wow. I said, what happened? And he went out with his buddies for a boys night out one night. And I think they were celebrating something and, you know, they got a little bit of blow and they all died like four of them. They all died. And, uh, I mean, just crazy. And that's just in Tampa, very close to where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, it's terrible. That's a terrible, terrible drug. I don't know what we're thinking. I don't understand it. Yeah. I think my daughter, my one daughter, Thais, um, she lives up in Ukiah, California, and she's had so much loss this year between from starting off from her best dog, her doggy love of her life to like six friends in a row has passed away from either drug addiction or suicide or this and that. So she's been dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just a crazy time. It is. Yeah, it's sad. And well, that mm-hmm. and then combined with all this shit from COVID with, you know, way too many people who are maybe not as healthy as they should have been. And right, uh, right. You know, you've lost a yeah. lot of weight, you know, because all your yeah. pictures, you were a whole lot heavier than you are right now. Well, I almost died. I almost died last year. How exciting oh was goodness. that? Yeah, I was 190. I was 190 or 189. And uh, in four months, I lo- went down to 150. So we thought I had. Well, no, it wasn't good oh, for it was me. A bad thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't really do it on purpose. Thing. I thought you were saying you no. had to do that because of no. your health thing or something. No, uh, no. Um, I'm five eight. I was about one eighty. I was in good, pretty thick shape, and yeah. uh, in four months, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I couldn't walk. I'd be fainting, bashing my head on the ground. Um, okay, I'm getting there. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'd be on a gig. Like, I, like I'm semi-retired now, and I go and do stagehand work. Mm-hmm. which is fun I mean, for yeah, me I, you yeah, know maybe busy. maybe get to teach the kids something if they want to learn or and teaching me stuff that i usually had my guys do forever yeah you know you know i'm like yeah here i am business owner i'm sweeping up a stage here you go but you know what it's okay it's all yeah. good it's all good or putting up carpentry or props or uh, things like that but what had happened is i lost this weight 
I was on show calls or uh, load ins and bam, I'd fall down and I couldn't breathe for having a heart attack and all these things. And uh, I thought for sure I had lung cancer because everyone in my family's almost died from lung cancer, smokers, all of them. Um, so went and did my blood work, um, did some lung scans and heart scans and they couldn't find anything. Um, so they're thinking maybe it's long COVID. So I'm going again this year, uh, start of the next year to do more lung scans and heart scans oh, so they and still stuff. haven't figured out why this happened. Oh, that's no. scary. Yeah. So my wife's convinced it's long COVID, but she's not really a doctor. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, women but yeah, stuff. it's scary. Women know stuff. Yeah. Women do. They do. And if they're wrong, you're right. I'm, I'm learning to say, honey, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> that's all yes, I can do. Dear. Yes, dear is the <laughs> yeah. short version of that. Yeah. Yes. That's a, so, that's a, that's a hard one. Yeah. So after all that stuff, you, I know you went on to do a lot of tour managing, production managing. Um, mm -hmm. So you did that till the mid nineties, right? Yeah. Till about 95 was the last tour I did. Yeah. 94, 95. And from there, uh, I just quit the touring. I was 18 or 19 years constantly living out of hotels and buses and things like that. And I just needed a lifestyle I have, change. I got a yeah. lot of friends who still do it at 65, 70. And I'm like, no, loads I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Loads of them. Yeah. And they're doing well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I saw recently, I saw you posted a picture of you and Cosmo. Cosmo's kicking ass out there i mean he's he's yeah, doing he all kinds of stuff he can't tour enough he loves it still i know like, i know he, that is a disease that is in his system and will never go away i don't think what you know, what a good man though huh oh what a God. great one man of the, one of the nicest people in the business i know it's so yeah. nice to have those relationships and it's changed over because i when i'm working with these young kids now i said man we always had each other's back we never left somebody behind you never threw a knife in anybody's back and now it's like that's all it is and i'm like wow you call yeah. this a brotherhood yeah it's weird yeah now. it's not the same it's yeah it is now. it well, is the other thing that i liked yeah. you know <clears throat> on a lot of the podcasts that i do especially with like lighting designers and front of house engineers whatever but um, there's a common theme with sort of the older guys, the geezers or older women or mm -hmm. whatever. But it's right. usually like if you ask them, you know, like what advice would you give? And one of the things that everyone always says is say yes and figure it out. You know, just basically right. say yes to everything mm -hmm. and go figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because as yeah. soon as you say no a couple times because it's not like sort of within your current purview or whatever – uh, right. They're not going to ask you again. And That's so true. people just ha had a more like can do, will do attitude, I think. Whereas yeah. now it's yeah. like there's this little box. Give me stuff that's within this little box. This right. is my expertise, right? Right, right. It's but, so true. Yeah. Thank God I did that too with Yes, because that's, I mean, I made that dress for care. I owned a couple of corporate event companies later after, yeah. when I got off tour, I, I got into the film business when it was actually film. And yeah. I was working with the director, Mark Kapos, Kapos Films and his great company. And Doing I started that. as a PA. 
Oh, uh, okay. I started as a PA, started at the at bottom. So mm-hmm. I can learn all, you know, from tour managing the Pointer Sisters, Shaka Khan or Tina Turner, or the Cowboy Junkies. Then I went into film business and I wanted to learn the behind the scenes of the film. So I started as a production assistant where I got to work with every department. And from there for a couple of years, then I came up to be a second AD, a second assistant director. Okay. And that was cool. Um, after that, um, we wanted to get up. My wife and I wanted to leave Venice, California. It was a little crazy. We had friends that moved down to Irvine, California. So we moved down to Irvine, California, which scared the shit out of me. There was nothing but white people here, white Republicans, and they were haters. And it was so scary. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Not saying that, you know, I'm just saying it was very scary. Like I drove my uh, Toyota pickup four wheel drive. It was a little louder than some of the nice cars down here it wasn't a piece of crap or anything but i'd get pulled over with guns by the by the cops you got any drugs or weapons in the car i said no i'm just going home your car is too loud i'm like okay sir yes sir that's crazy yeah yeah what they think you were some kind of gangster or something like i didn't have the right car i I didn't have the right yeah it is crazy uh so it took some getting used to with kicks I'm getting used to. And what I did from there for work is I, um, corp, corporate, corporates were starting to come into to business now. You know, we're, we're shooting on videotape and uh, the big, the big uh, old tape cassettes. And, um, and uh, I started doing sales for a, a company called the communications group okay. and they had a few few you know we do some corporate events and i'm like okay this is cool yeah this is cool the thing about the corporate the, the communications group is they couldn't communicate <laughs> it was so funny <laughs> I, I used to call them the lack of communications group oh, um they they treat the client like crap and i'm like oh my god i said i could do this i could do this and make it right and what i did is um i ended up opening a company a lot of people said hey we're going to come with you and things like that i said hey that's you that's up to you i won't ever steal anything from anybody they said no but we like working with you because you have whatever i had um and i started bringing some of the rock and roll technology into corporate events you know lasers and and water screen projection uh and um uh just different black boxes. Like if I did a car, I'd come up with like, let's say I was working for Daimler Chrysler and they were going to, they asked me to come up with the creative for the new Amante when it first came out, the Kia Amante. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's, let's do this. And like you, like you said, that yes thing. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. I can yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, so I said, let's do this. And it came out really well. And I hired myself, I, I, I surrounded myself with people, that know what they do. Like I hire the right guy for the right job yeah. and, and I just manage them. And if they need more management, I give it to them. And when they need to be hands off, I'm hands off. But like, I've always said, I'm nothing without my crew. Nothing. Yeah. I'm not one, you know, the big, it, everything is bigger than me. And the biggest yeah. thing is the client's vision, the client and the customer and the, and the audience's vision. That's all that we make people happy for a living. Well, that's another sort of old school mentality. Like I think a lot of the, the, the younger people today, and now I sound really old, but a lot of the younger people in our industry today forget that you're not the star. You're you're yeah. the one making the star look or sound good. You're not the star, right? And right. so, um, whereas I think most of the cosmos and and you know the the people who have been around this business a long time, 
never make that mistake. Like they always right. know <laughs> what their job is and when they're right. stepping over the line and stuff, you know, they know the rules. Sure. Yeah. 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 They know the code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you need yeah, to bring the well China thing too, right? I did. Yeah. yeah I cool. went to, Oh, it's so cool. It was very interesting. Um, I was hired as a stage manager for Paul George uh, with Gorilla Production Group. Yeah. Um, him and I, you know Ringo? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ringo hired me to do that. I used to hire Ringo for all for a lot of my jobs. Yeah. Oops. There goes my earpiece. That thing keeps falling out. I got one man here. Okay. Yeah, the other ones were fine. Oh, you need um, I need sm I need smaller. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I worked with Ringo on that and uh, a couple of his guys, Steve Crandall's another guy that I love working with Crandall, man. He's a yeah. no, he's a, he can do anything kind of guy, MacGyver, yeah. and great attitude. Anyway, so I went there and we did the Great Wall of China, first concert at the Great Wall of China, which was an incredible experience. By that time, I've already toured five continents, you know, with tours and things right. like that. Yeah. So I had a little savage, but my first time in China, so I watched them build those bamboo uh, scaffoldings and carry I know and the power that, watch. yeah oh my god and carrying these 200 pound uh, terracotta you know terracotta guys you know the 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 uh, warriors those terracotta oh, okay, warriors yeah, they yeah, had yeah, yeah. yeah well they, these were images of those but they were just about as heavy and these yeah. guys are going all the way up you know 14 18 20 feet in the air walking up the uh scaffolding and watching yeah. that and watching power how power's done lowered just these big That's generators with no ground with no yeah. ground uh, yeah and um so that was cool uh the only thing that was very strange other than being there in the food um was uh that the red army was there and they wouldn't let the audience clap it was sold out and they wouldn't let the audience clap so we had boys to men alicia keys uh cindy lopper and nobody could clap it was why very they weird because that means they're happy know. and they're not supposed to yeah happy. something like so that why would you have a concert yeah. then i don't <laughs> you know? know i don't like, know just stand on stage and yell at them you know in yeah, Chinese, yeah. you're useless you are an <laughs> yeah. idiot you're fat you're ugly you know yeah like, i didn't get it i why didn't get a concert? it i don't get it why yeah. make them happy and no. then say you're not allowed to be happy <laughs> yeah that's weird stuff man that's weird stuff bizarre. keeping them from yeah, so clapping yeah, I, I did that. I went over to China for that. And then I got hired also. I, I like I, I grew up loving the Lakers and I got to stage manage two Laker parades, which was fun. Just oh, a freelancer. Cool. Guy. Yeah, it was very fun. You know, everything I do is fun. If you're yeah. not having fun, you're not doing it right. Yeah. You know, even in miserable conditions, like I try and make it the best experience of the day. Like, whatever. This is OK. Well, you know what? I mean, like somebody really old said to me one time, like, you know, at the end of your life, you're not counting your money. You're not, you know, you're counting your friends and you're counting your memories. Like you're looking back. Oh, at right. What are the things that I remember? What are the cool, you know, things that I've done in my life or the people I've met, the people I love yeah. in my life, you know, who, who are those people? And yeah, you know, one of the cool things that's about important your life, as long as you can still remember them by the time you get to that point, <laughs> well, well uh, this will help me. You got some, cool this will memories. help me. You know, you, you yeah. have some unbelievable memories. I mean, again, three dog night playing in your living room. That's, that's pretty nutty. You know, when you're a and kid. Well, I'm working with Brickman and working with Buford Jones and working with uh, Roy Bickle and working with, um, what you do uh, with Peter Morris. 
uh, I think it was the tubes back in the day. It could have been something else. Like I say, it's hard to remember everything, but we were out there for a long time together. Maybe it was Jackson Brown. I don't remember, but it was a long (laughs) time and we hung very well. Yeah. Brickman's (laughs) Brickman's a super cool guy. Have you seen him recently? Because he's still, Uh, where is he, in Malibu or something? I don't know where he is, but we just, uh, we hadn't talked to each other in about a year and I, we just linked in together, um, Uh just like two weeks ago. Last time I spoke to him was probably, I don't know, two years ago. And I think he had, I think he's got a gallery, like a a small gallery that he does. Oh, really? And, uh, uh, yeah, he's doing art and he's doing all kinds of different crazy stuff and he's having a blast. Last time I talked to him, he's having a blast. He's you know, a little frustrated and annoyed with the industry because, you know, our yeah. industry forgets sometimes too quickly. Like they forget that yeah. you're Mark Brickman, one of the greatest lighting designers in the world. And you worked with Pink Floyd for 30 some odd years. And, you know, <laughs> and then the World amazing. Trade Center thing and the, yeah, or yeah, the lighting, the what? incredibly <laughs> talented guy. But we're going to pick this guy over here who's 25 and he'll do it for, you know, uh, right. the price of you or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... it's it's a weird scene. It's a weird scene. Like, I, I, I you know, um, this whole thing. We had a venue that just shut down. Have you seen any of that on my, on my Facebook or anything? Is uh, wow. we had five five point amphitheater here. We used to in the eighties. We had uh, Verizon amphitheater or uh, uh, Irvine Meadows. Okay. Irvine Meadows. Or we like to call it Irving Meadows because Irving uh-huh. Azoff owned it. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, um, we had that and they shut it down so they could build houses. So ever since the 80s, late 80s, they promised to um, build another venue. So for the last four or five seasons, we had a temporary venue called Five Point Amphitheater. Okay. And Live Nation ran it. And it was in with the city of Irvine. And, you know, I was telling you about the corporate takeover and all this other stuff, but it's the way of the world right now. And I, there's nothing I can do about it. So I just watch how people operate and I like, yeah. if they're good, they're good. And if they're not there, so Live Nation did a really good job at, at the venue. They yeah. did a really good job for the guests and for the, for the crew, for the labor, every, every aspect they really watched out for. And I was very impressed on how they did it. Well, Irvine company pulls out of the deal after they've already broken ground for our new amphitheater and said, we don't want, uh, we don't want an amphitheater that big in our city anymore. So what they're doing is they, they're mowing it down and they're putting up more houses. And let's say most of these houses out here in Irvine, maybe 50% are no hundred percent are bought. 50% 50% are lived in. A lot of the people who buy them live in different countries. Yeah, and they don't even rent them. Corporate yeah. buyers and stuff. Yeah, they don't, they don't even rent them out. So you got like four families on the street. So they're doing more and more building out here. They don't want a music venue out here. The one that the city of Irvine wants to do maybe a 6,000 seater where they can do 300 shows a year and do like school shows and things like that. I said, and they'll have their own in-house lighting and sound. So that screws the union. You're not going to bring up a national touring act that can't bring in their light sound staging. No, you'll end up with little local, like uh, uh, (laughs) tribute bands and stuff, a journey tribute and a whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've got one of those locally here, a a little uh, amphitheater that, 
you know, everyone goes there on Thursday nights and sits on the right. grass and they have food trucks and they get these. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, yeah. but it's it's not, it's not a venue where you're going to see, you know, Fleetwood Mac or, or right. know, the Eagles right. or somebody come through and play. Right. Like. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we were having great. We had great, great years. Uh, I got to work with the. That's how I started working again with the five hundred four, the IOTS union out yeah. here. Um, I used to hire them back in the day, and now I'm just doing jobs where they put me on. Um, I don't have a lot of seniority, but I do. You know, plus I'm Social Security. I can't work with all that much anyway. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah you got to limit <laughs> the amount you work, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So You've I just turned down more Charlie too, right? Charlie Guest? Yeah. Yeah, I love Charlie. Yeah. Charlie's yeah. a mentor of mine, too. He's yeah. helped save my life, man. That dude's a good man. Yeah, he runs a really nice business, too. He's done very, very well for himself. I remember when Stage Tech was small. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. They, they, and his sons are doing great. Yeah. His sons are doing great. Really yeah. good. Bryce and, uh, and just the other one got married. And um, I don't yeah, know sorry, I'm kicking. I only know Charlie. Yeah, yeah. So Charlie's a good man. I used to hire him. And then when I needed a job, he hired me and cool. uh, I keep, I keep telling him, Hey, if I ever need a stage manager, cause I haven't really pimped myself out much, yeah. you know, like I've, I did like maybe seven or eight shows and, and, uh, where I had my, where I was a production manager or stage manager. And then I did a lot of the union stuff. Yeah. So, um, one thing I like about the union stuff is they got me into the theater. We have a Seagerstrom Performing Arts Center here, which yeah. is a state-of-the-art, beautiful theater, and I'm working on Broadway plays and stuff like that. And it's That's so cool. it's so cool because it's you know rock and roll is a little looser. This yeah. is structured. Boom, boom. I mean, every pinpoint. I really enjoyed it and I'm learning so much in that place. Yeah, but. When uh, and Lico's are a lot lighter than moving lights too. So, yeah, but the moving lights they got now are so heavy. I almost had a heart attack. I'm telling you, I'm still dealing with a little bit of this can't breathe stuff. Yeah. So I have to take these shots of ibuterol to breathe. And uh, but uh, we're getting more tests done. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, I was telling you, I, I worked with that uh, communications group, and then yeah. I got out of that. And uh, I opened up Flying In Productions, Flying In. And I got that name from whenever the director, Mark Kapos, needed something. We'd always say, Flying In, sir, Flying In, no problem. You know, it's like, yeah, you got it, Flying yeah. In. So I opened up Flying In Productions and I, I got to, you know, have divisions of Daimler Chrysler, Toshiba launched their tablets, uh, um, Microsoft. Um, oh, there's a lot of them. And I was, I was bringing that, that rock and roll look and feel in a corporate way. Make so it what, pretty what were you doing like, for those shows though? You were, I, I was the owner of the company. No, I was the owner of the company. So the client would come to me and go, I got a hundred by hundred booth. Nth degrees building our, uh, building our set design. We needed oh, lights so down. Everything. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing, manage it. Yeah. Bring in the crew, the power, the labor work, GES. Yeah. The whole thing. Um, oh. and I did that a couple different times and had great success. Um, Again, surrounding myself with the right people, you yeah. know. Yeah, people That's matter. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, people matter. Well, I mean, look at look at the hell that our industry went through since COVID, you know, like when when COVID kind of like when the the clouds were lifting and shows were starting again and nobody had enough crew, you know, right. suddenly people were like, Oh my God, I should have taken better care <laughs> of those people. Like I shouldn't have laid off half my staff or whatever. Right. 
And then, you know, right. so many people just had enough and they didn't come back. Like they got gigs for Amazon or whatever during right. COVID. I tried that for two weeks. <laughs> I tried that for two Yeah, I screwed up my knee. I'm like, I was like one of the oldest guys doing in the warehouse. I'm like, nah, this is not happening. Yeah. I tried it for two weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, taking care of your people, man. It's like, yeah. I, that's something I used to do all the time too. It's like, um, if the, if the client's not buying lunch, I'll take 500 bucks out of my pocket and buy it myself. I mean, yeah. cause to me that means more than anything. So it's $500 or a thousand dollars less than I'm making. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause I'm, I'm, it's myself that I'm, it's my company or me, which I don't own anymore. I'm too tired to do all that stuff. I think yeah. I'm too tired Love as that. out of that, the hustle, the hustle. Yeah. Um, I don't mind working for others, but, um, I had a good, good time having my production companies because I gave, I gave it up my all and I, and I came up with some good stuff and I got to do, I work with Jeremy Railton, you know, Jeremy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Railton and I worked together. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm making noise. It's going to fall out of my ear. I need some smaller holes. Okay. Yeah. So Jeremy and I worked together. Um, he had a, a show, uh, an event called Stratus Rewards, which was a white card, like a credit card. Okay. And he had me do the whole production for that. And it was like a seven city tour. And we had a great time doing that. That's then, cool. um, yeah, Michael Cotton, I, as, I don't know if you know Michael, but he I came don't. up with all the set design for the last, uh, Michael Jackson tour. Um, oh, yeah, this is course. it yeah. tour yeah. and uh, so many credits and he's just got stuff in the museum in New Were York. Were you doing and, anything on that because of your relationship um, this with is it. Uh, Ortega? Yeah. No, well, I, I was, what happened to me is I started finding this 20 millimeter led fabric okay. out in China. And, uh, there's a company that does it really well now. And I forgot the name of their company, but I was like one of the first to bring it over. And I talked to Michael and he wanted to make a costume for Michael Jackson that he could wear where it had full video. He'd come out of the spaceship and blah, blah, blah. And this whole video montage is going on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Michael ends up passing away. Right. And then Michael, Michael tells me, Hey, on my next show, well, somehow I'm going to get this led fabric into something. I'm like, okay. And what do I know about led? I really don't know that much about LED, but right. I can manage, uh, I can manage, you know, the team yeah. and, uh, learn a lot, you know? Yeah, sure. I can do that. Um, the only problem is when you do that with the Chinese company, you're not going to get what you want. <laughs> it's very bad. It's yeah. sad. There's always a gap between what you asked for and what you actually receive. Yeah. 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 That's so I, I, uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100% waterproof. I promise 100%. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'll tell you about that story. But anyway, uh, Michael does the set design for Carrie Underwood's play on tour. And he says, Hey, can we make a dress out of this stuff? I go, Yeah, I mean, it's heavy, we're gonna have to build a frame and da da da. And but she it's 20 mil LED. And you know, it, it'll look great. So we made a dress for that tour and it toured and it looked well. And it was the first time like anybody had a full video outfit on. That's so cool. I was able to do Yeah, I was able to do that, which was cool. Work with a great team. Um, and then again, with Jeremy Railton, uh, he came to me and saw the LED fabric and he goes, listen, I'm in Macau. I'm going to be doing a show and uh, a, a, a design for a casino hotel called the 
Galaxy in Macau, Galaxy Hotel and Casino in Macau. And he did this Lucky Diamond. I don't know if you've seen it. Lucky Diamond uh, fountain, water fountain that comes up. There's this big reveal. Just Google it and you'll see. Yeah. Uh, Lucky Diamond. I'll send you a link. I just don't remember if I saw that yeah, or the, not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was a show, a thing I did with him, which I say 90% turned out well. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like that number yeah. at all. What was I mean, the other 10%? Uh, uh, that, 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 that my fabricator couldn't after seven, eight times, like we built every cable, every data processor, every power, every power, uh, the whole thing, nothing came, you know, came fabricated everything had to be fabricated so we had to fabricate the panels seven different times i mean i didn't i ended up not making any money but everybody else got paid which is fine and then i had to bring on another company to finish it off which doesn't make me happy but my my, my happiness is that the client gets taken care of and jeremy yeah. you know i mean i guess there was a lot of that but i'd i'd put all these panels in. i mean the thing was maybe 50 feet in diameter i had about 300 of these panels that were three foot long by six feet wide and they'd lay into this circle and you get full video and, and waterproof the whole thing it was gorgeous looking but they kept burning out kept burning out and just just killed me i was there for seven months and i got really oh, sick there Jesus. one of my workers was in the hospital for four months getting blood transfusions <laughs> from what food poisoning or something food poisoning or some funky wet market eating something you shouldn't have lovely yeah yeah lovely. so yeah but um it, it's a it's a beautiful thing and uh 90 of it's mine and everybody was having problems there everybody yeah. was having problems uh and uh yeah it's just i i i wish i went some different way but uh you know it's what it's like one job in my life that i'm not 100 percent happy that yeah, it, it didn't come yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but everything they got paid and they got what they wanted eventually they just had to bring in a top tier guy and and tell these guys what they needed to do they wow. need to be in stainless steel it needed to be dipped it needed to be all this stuff and i couldn't get more money to do any of that stuff so but it worked out it worked out and uh, we remained great friends, and I got to work with some great guys over there. So let me ask you this. You, you know, you've done a lot of things. You've, you've uh, had a lot of fun. If you could change something, what would you do differently? I could change something. What, well, all first the way of back all, to, well, like, when you were 15 doing the magic and the, <laughs> or 13 or whatever it was in that crazy circus show. Yeah. What would I change? Um, well, there's one thing I would change the addiction that I got into, yeah. uh, early. That's the only thing that I would change. I mean, cause everything that brought me to that, to the, to the point I'm at today has been a magic ride. Yeah. I don't regret it. I love That's it. Cool. That's I awesome. fell in love with it. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, <laughs> when I go to the, the, to do the gig i go it's the best day ever guys let's do this let's kill it let's That's have awesome. a good time and, and you know like and andy kinnon is a, one of my bosses over at uh the venue and he's with the with the 504 and a good friend and yeah springer you're always in such a good spot and a lot of the younger guys why are you why are you so happy why are you so happy i'm like bro we get to do this for a living and we get paid yeah it's true <laughs> you know 
It's true. At 65, I'm still doing that. I feel I get so much energy like a little kid. I'm, it's Good weird. for you. It's, no, I mean, that's, yeah, an I love it. that's an incredible attitude. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's done. you know, did we miss anything? I think we covered a lot no, of stuff. I think we covered a lot of stuff, man. And there's more into I'll write the book and we'll have more stuff. Maybe we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it I again. I would love to. Write the yeah, book and man. we'll do it again. No, I mean, anytime. You have a great story. You're you're uh, you're easy to talk to. And, uh, you know, you anytime. are too. And, and if I can help you with anything, you know, reach out to me too. I know lots and lots of people in the industry. Yeah, um, we know the same people, I'm sure. And well, lots more that you know than I, I never do. toured. Yeah. I never toured. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like the only you touring people I know are, are some production managers, lots and lots of lighting <laughs> people, uh, some audio guys. And girls, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never toured. So like a lot of people will say, Hey, do you know, Roach? Do you know, you know, this guy, do you know that <laughs> but guy? You already knew some of these guys. Yeah but, we've talked about it. yeah. but only a handful, you know what I mean? Like, I don't right. know. I didn't share buses with, you know, eight other guys or whatever. Like it, I just right, right, right. that. So lucky um, man. So I know it from <clears throat> sort of a surface level, you know, from a distance, right. I kind of know these people and have great relationships with so many people in our industry, but yeah, I'm usually man. the guy that gets yelled at when the lights don't work or something, right? You know, that, <laughs> hey, that yeah. we got to have somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know Colin Water, don't you? Of Over course. at TMB? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I Colin, I would go yeah. back to the TFA Electrotech days. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, had Marshall Bissett on, on the podcast, a, I don't know, three, four months ago, probably. Uh, I've been really digging your podcast too. I've been going oh, good, back good. and going. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love it. We There's so many people. It. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. That's what I feel. You know, it's <laughs> all about preserving the stories and and uh, you know making sure that young people, especially coming up through our industry, know where it all came from. You know, because right. people don't know that you know people were building speakers in their garage or. Uh, right. Who was it? Paul Dexter talking about building <laughs> building park hands from uh, from um, pineapple cans in uh, right. Hawaii. You know, like yeah. I mean, just crazy, crazy stories. Uh, you see, have you seen that thing that I sent you about rock and roll rowdies? No. Rock and roll rowdies. These guys are from the '60s and '70s from England, and they have their little podcast, and they've got some stories, man. They've no, got I never saw stories. that. You sent that to me. Yeah. I, I may, I, maybe I didn't, but I will send it to you. Yeah, they have a little do. podcast. They're yeah. really amazing. Wilco uh, is a good dude. And yeah, it's really fun. And, yeah. Uh, I get to see every, most of the, sh- most of the tours that come through our venue is like Springer, what are you doing here? What? That's what? Awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, so much awesome. fun. Yeah. Good. Yeah, buddy. Well, great talking with you. I appreciate you doing great it. Great talking. And yeah, uh, me too. And we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, please. All right. My I'll friend. send you a link.